0: Welcome to episode sixty-eight of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark, and joining me on today's episode is the filmmaker Ian McFarland. And I'm absolutely buzzing for this interview because we get to talk all about his latest film, and for me, it's the best documentary out there right now, The Godfathers of Hardcore, which follows the band Agnostic Front. And hey, if you can get to talk about that New York hardcore band for an hour. That's all I want but this interview gets deep and we talk about a lot more and for me personally and I know I say this a lot but as it stands right now this is my favourite interview that I've ever done and I know you're sitting there going you say this every time but it can't be a bad thing if every one I do is an improvement on the last and something that I enjoy more and more but as it stands I've shown this to two friends right now and both of them have turned around to me and said it's the best interview I've done as well so surely we can't all be wrong. But not only that, he was the bassist in the band Blood for Blood, and we get to talk about that, but the main focus of today is all about Agnostic Front and the amazing documentary that he's produced. But in true typical Mark and me fashion, let's talk about the last episode. So I was lucky enough to be joined by Ian Shaw, the son of the late Robert Shaw, so for me personally, knowing how much I love Jaws, it was a dream come true. The response, I was not ready for. I knew it would be popular because anything I do that's Jaws related always does very well worldwide, But as it stands right now, this is the second most downloaded episode I've ever done. And honestly, I have never seen so many tweets, Facebook comments, emails, Instagram replies and likes. It's blown up, but I can't be more happy. And to know right now that Ian's doing the show in Edinburgh and it's selling out every night is just phenomenal. And I really hope now, due to this response, we all get to see the shark is broken because it's getting five out of five reviews everywhere and I couldn't be more happy for him and the other guys involved in this production but let's get back in today's episode so as I said I'm joined by Ian McFarland an incredible director a great movie maker and a great musician so all those combined I had so much to talk about and I do just want to get to it so here's my interview with me and Ian talking all things film music and everything else that goes with it so Ian thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast
1: no problem man thank you for having me
0: what i want to do is take it right back to the start so when you were growing up and what kind of shaped your music tastes obviously being a huge hardcore punk fan what were those early records you bought or those gigs you went to that shaped that love and that desire to be a musician
1: boy that's a loaded question man
0: yeah um, i
1: got into punk rock and hardcore um when i was a teenager i was really into metal and rock and uh hard rock and things like that um but uh you know as I got older, I got exposed to harder edge music and, um, you know, you know everything that comes along with that. And then I, I remember my first uh, show uh, that I went to, um, I think my first actual, like, hardcore underground show was a band called uh, Integrity. I don't want to date myself, but I think... That wasn't my first... You know what, let me take that back. That was one of the first, but the first show-show I went to um was bad company.
0: Oh man, um, what a start.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um the first record I ever bought was Van Halen 1984. Oh, um
0: This is a good this yeah. is good foundations, dude.
1: Yeah, man. My um my cousin, my cousin and his sister um Debbie and Lloyd, they really got me into, you know, rock and roll. Um they exposed me to a lot of things when I was young, like you know Van Halen or, or uh, Led Zeppelin or um, geez, they, they, just, they exposed me to a lot of that rock stuff. And then it was just a natural progression from that. You know, I grew up in Maine, which is about two and a half hours north of, of uh, Boston. And where I grew up, there was not a lot of hardcore punk rock going on. I grew up in a town of a thousand people. I think was like 1,100 at the time in the town. It was pretty rural. Um, there was not, you know, kids with mohawks walking down the street or anything like that. Um, and, um, I didn't really have a, 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 you know, a way to get exposed to, um, you know, punk rock and hardcore, but as I got older through friends, I started getting, you know, sh- played bands and I was just like, wow. And then I, re- I remember when I heard agnostic front, um, and that just changed my, my, my life, um, in so many ways because I, they had metal, they had, you know, this hardcore stuff that I'd slowly start and got, you know, interested in and they had speed and anger and, and just, it was just like, and they were really tattooed. Um, those things were not things I was really exposed to as a, as a kid. And it it was just a natural progression from that. Um, joining, you know, I, I originally, I joined my band blood for blood in 1997. And then, um, after that, it was just balls to the wall torn for years. And, um, slowly getting into
0: film. So obviously you spent seven years with that band, now touring and going all around the world and, you know, filling these venues, playing these huge festivals all over Europe and around the world. What was it that kind of made you decide to put down that, you know, that band and, you know, the bass guitar and think, actually, I want to now go into doing films and, you know, producing music videos. What was it that kind of made you want to stop? Well,
1: um... Didn't stop. We that was the thing. As a band, we didn't stop. Um, we didn't. Well, to make it a fact, we did stop, but we didn't break up. Yeah. Um, and and um, it, what's funny is he's, he's seven years because that's what it says online. Um, but I joined the band in 1997, and I'm still in the band today. the The only two people that are in the band is is uh, me and Rob, um, Rob Lind. Um, we are we are in the band. We own the band. Um, it's our thing. Um, but you know we we stopped playing in 2004 for a variety of reasons um and then from that we moved you know in 2010 i believe uh we came back and and you know played some shows and re, you know reunited on stage and whatnot but the reason that i i stopped uh, playing and moving into film was was not Because I just, I really wanted to. It was because that's what happened with the band at that time and I needed to survive and move on. And to be honest with you, I didn't want a job. I didn't want to go and get a job. Um, I wanted to, you know, create, I wanted to make things, let it be music or, or film. And film was always something that I was really into as a kid. Um, I used to make little home movies as a kid, and like, you know, do my own editing with two VHS, you know, recorders, and um, you know, make my little skits and things like that. But the interesting thing to to tie them, you know, my band and and my hobby at the time, filmmaking, together, was that as I'm on the road all the time with my band, I was filming other bands, and I was I was, you know, filming shows, and I was doing all these things because it was something that I loved you know, very much, which was music and, um, hardcore punk rock music. Um, and I, I used to film, you know, all these bands that I was friends with on stage, off stage, all these things. And then it kind of just, it was a natural progression to move into a career because it was something I felt very comfortable with. It was a lot, very similar to music. Um, I worked very hard at music, but just being on stage and progressing and recording, it's like a natural progression. Um, but I, but the, the reason I moved into filmmaking, was it was really just a natural progression from from uh, playing music
0: so when you say obviously it's a natural progression that's great but at what point was it that it became an option to become your career and avoid having to get the kind of shitty nine to five office job what was the point when you thought actually the progressions now move that i can now make this the main focus
1: i would say probably about what is it 2019 i would say for really as my career i would say about uh, 14 years ago um the thing that that made me be able to switch over was i i just needed to to take a risk um i was very scared about doing it um i you know when you're in you know it's, it's like this like music the music scene the hardcore punk rock scene was very comfortable because my social network was built around it um my history my my everything everything in my life was was based around that music um, you know like I said social structure uh, you know my friends my my band m- my money um, everything but the th- the thing that really pushed me over I think was just the drive to want to do it um, and the ability um, to be able to uh, um, have the freedom of doing that and having that um, mentality, I guess you'd say, was I got from hardcore punk rock. I just dove in. I said, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it my own way. Um, so it was a, it was, a, it was, it still was a natural, a slow progression. Um, I was painting houses at the time yeah. um, for quite a while and I was sick of it. I was really sick of it. And, I remember talking about, you know, to my wife about it, and and I was just, you know, I, I really want to make this a career. Um, so we we kind of talked about it together and buckled down. and And I don't know if it was like a day where I said, "Okay, I'm never painting again," um, but it was like a slow thing where where I was like, "Okay, I'm, I'm going to," I only have to do one painting job this month because I have these other video gigs I'm doing, and then it kind of just slowly rolled into being a full time thing. Yeah, it still was. It was a natural progression. I still call it that. But yeah, I mean, there wasn't anything particular to say, I'm going to do this now. There wasn't like a a day where I said, today's the day. I'm I'm a filmmaker career now. I have a filmmaker career now. Um, It just took a long, long time to to do it, you know.
0: The thing is, as well, you obviously lived, you breathed, your life was hardcore punk. It was in your blood. You were doing it as a day-to-day job in a band. And then you decided to become this filmmaker you probably had an advantage because some people are either a musician or a performer and, you know, some people are filmmakers, but because you've been there and you lived it, obviously shooting concerts live or music videos, you'd been there, you'd done it yourself. So one of the first things that I saw, which I was blown away by, is Meshuggah's concert and they're one of the best live bands I've ever seen in my life. Now, you obviously were in charge of doing their whole concert alive and... Mm -hmm surely it was an advantage for you because you knew the direction, the angles, the concert, the feel. You're not just a, a standard filmmaker. You've been on that stage and performed. So that must have been a really good feeling to kind of have that experience and backing behind you.
1: Yes. Um, I will say that being in a band you know, and, and playing on stages definitely helped me um, be able to have You know a different type of rapport with bands yeah um for sure um as far as angles i don't really know about that i mean that's that's you know up to i i I will you know what that's actually an interesting um, thing you bring it up now because um in the godfathers of hardcore um not to jump ahead too much but um that came into play big time when i shot the godfathers of hardcore Um, the live stuff, when I shot Agnostic Front Live, um, I actually made a very conscious decision to shoot all of the footage of them on stage as a sixth member um, and not shoot it traditionally with like five cameras all over the room. Yeah. I did it. Uh, It's very different. Um, And I wanted to do that for for the sole reason that most people don't get to see that perspective. No. And... You, you, and if you and i was inspired by believe it or not i was inspired by old you know uh 80s and 90s hair metal bands you know if you remember a lot of those music videos you know like a lot of those old you know 80s ha- hair metal and metal videos they were right on stage with a super wide angle lens yeah you know and it made you feel like wow this is really cool it made you like feel like you're you know, uh, getting special access. And that combined with being on stage, um, it's, it's just something that I wanted to inject into the film that would make it that much more different. And, you know, the other, the other reason is that, I, you know, I don't feel really comfortable, as comfortable, I should say, being on the floor in the audience as I do standing on side of the stage um, watching a band play filming or not i just there's something it's just more comfortable to me i've been on stages my whole life and it just feels more comfortable to me to be on the side of a stage or on stage than it does to be in an audience um and i'm i'm really not sure why other than the fact that i've just i've spent most of my life playing music on stage um and watching from the side of the stage you know what i mean
0: yeah definitely and it's something like you said it for a uh... For a member of the public who's bought a ticket to the gig, they never get that view. They never get that feel. So to put it on a film or a video, it's the closest you'll ever get because no one gets that—you know—that pass to be on stage or the chance to hold the microphone or an instrument and look out to the crowd. You're the—you're the crowd who's looking upon you guys.
1: Yeah, and and like, you know, my wife. I remember at one point. She's, you know. She, she uh she would make fun of me she's like oh you can't watch a show you know on in the audience i'm like no you don't understand it's like it's a comfortability thing like even come down to the sound when i it, it sounds very different on stage than it does in front yeah um, sometimes it doesn't sound as good but you can feel the music more to me like i can feel it in my feet i can feel it in my chest um it's just a comfort- I relate with it more when i'm when i'm watching live music that way
0: now, obviously you just mentioned then The Godfathers of Hardcore, your most recent film, and obviously at the start of today's interview you said that one of the bands that was so responsible for the reason that you listened to the records and you picked up a bass and you're in a band, is Agnostic Front. Now, tell me how it must have felt when it was one of these most loved bands, they shaped your taste and everything you do, and then you got to work with them. That must be like a dream come true.
2: Well, I
1: it wasn't again that was, it was this relationship has been a slow thing over, you know, 20 years. Yeah. Um I've, you know, I've directed a number of music videos for them. Um I've done I did their live at CBGB's um 2004 concert film. Um it was actually I think the second to last time they ever played CB's and right before it closed. Um but you know being you know people say don't you don't want to meet don't meet your idols you know i mean it's always like a saying yeah don't don't meet your idols but they weren't my idols by any means but they were people that i thought had a really interesting story and i was friends with them um i was but i wasn't like i don't know i was close but i wasn't super close i think when i made this film um and during the process of this film our relationship changed Um, in a lot of ways because and I don't think it was like any of us did it consciously but we did become closer you know towards the end of making this film because we had been through this like intimate journey of of you know making this film and talked about so many things together and you know I spent a couple years interviewing Roger and Vinny so you can imagine you know the conversations that we had of course you're going to know sit down and and you're gonna you're gonna feel more you know um you know connected with somebody in a lot of ways but to be able to work with agnostic front the, the you know the other side of the coin is that it's a lot of pressure you know um you know they're they're hailed as you know being one of the most important hardcore bands ever and you know they've influenced tons of people and it was a lot of pressure to have that on my shoulders and make a film about um, that band and those guys, because they would, because it was so visible. I knew it was going to be very visible. I didn't think it would be visible as it is now. <laughs> um, I really didn't think the before I made the film that it would ever have this kind of like uh, success. Um, but you know, in making the film, I I really knew that it was going to be something different, and I really started to realize how special it was as as I started. You know, really sitting down and editing it and cutting scenes together, um, because it was it was a really really awesome experience, but also at the same time was a really hard experience to go through. I think anybody that makes a feature length documentary um, goes through a lot, especially when you do it absolutely from from the bottom up. Um, we didn't have any funding um, in the early you know beginnings of this film. Uh, we didn't have. Um, you know a big studio backing us or a distributor or anything like that we did it ourselves um and and then other people came and you know came on board to help us and Kickstarter um, backers came and helped us and fans of the band and and the culture um, so it, yeah it's been a really long, long journey man, but a really rewarding one
0: how How do you kind of handle the pressure of such an intimate kind of portrait of two of the most influential men? in underground music because i know that you said that they've become friends and you've spent 20 years with them but it's in your hands it's down to you how you how you put this together how you edit it and it must have been such a big responsibility for you to kind of pay back this favor of being such a such an influence on you and such an important band in your life
1: well you know i i honestly i just let them be who they were yeah um it was it was that simple. I let them be who they were. They were very comfortable with me because they did know me very well. Um, you know, I thought that I knew them really well, but as I you know did the interviews, I realized how much I didn't know about them. Um, but the the pressure comes from you know two sides. One is myself. Um, I'm I'm a perfectionist, um, and I just. I don't know, I'm obsessive with with my projects. Um, and the other side would be, you know, would Roger and Vinny not like it or they would like it because that was one of the things that that I I stipulated early on when we started this project was that I wasn't going to let them see anything until I was done.
0: Wow. And
1: and um you know, for that 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 sounds like, you know, to anybody listening that's like oh well, of course you're doing a documentary well it's different with a band yeah. bands bands are all, and and you know bands are a lot different things i like to have control anybody that is you know a celebrity or on those lines they they often you know need to retain they call final edit you know um and i wasn't interested in that at all um and i had to i had to do it my way or I wasn't going to do it at all. I didn't want any influence. I mean, of course, you know they. I showed Roger and Vinny like one or two clips, like were like two minutes a piece, just to give them a little bit of taste of what it looked like. Um, but they didn't see the film until it was done, and that that was a, that added to a, the pressure because I was you know I was I was gambling man you know I go what if I got all the way to the end. And then they they and I showed it to them and they hated it. You know what do you do then? You just I mean seriously what 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 would you do? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not um, cool.
1: You know, re- you know f- do it and then cater to what they wanted it to be, um, or stand your ground. Um, I really was was extremely concerned about that um, throughout the whole time because you know I was just worried that they would you know not like the film and I was even. I was even more worried that the audience wouldn't like the film. Um, But once I, because I was so far into it, you know, when you get so far into something, you just have tunnel vision. Yeah. There was a point when I was editing this film, because that's the other thing I think a lot of people don't realize. I not only directed this film, but I also edited the film. Yeah. Um, So I spent a long time, (laughs) you know, working on this stuff. And, it's it's a it's a lot, and you kind of get tunnel vision. Where I was actually dreaming about the film scenes. Um, that's when things got really really shitty for me. Um, yeah. In the process, if you want, if I want, I want to talk about the shitty parts of making this film um, or any film, there was a point in this film where I actually started dreaming for it was a couple months straight, every single night, and I couldn't escape it. So I would I would get up, I would um, you know get my kids ready for school and then I would head to my studio and I would do usually anywhere from 12 to 17 hours a day six to seven days a week for a few months at a time and then I would go home and sleep for anywhere from four to six hours and um, I would dream about the film and when that was my daily routine for months upon months and months it really is wearing on you it, wears it sounds on card,
0: exhausting man. it sounds horrendous so it must be that you never get that break to switch off and think about something else
1: yeah i didn't i never got a break but to be honest with you like i think it may have made the film potentially what it is now because i didn't stop i lived it i was in it i was just non stop i mean i wish i had had you know some some more hands on deck to help me out a little bit more um but you know I did get some help from some, you know, great, I have an awesome team. I don't want to discount my team on this, but, um, when it comes down to it, it's like, you mean, I I wasn't like paying tons of money to every single person working on this, you know, as a salary. Um, this was a labor of love and, uh, you know, my team donated their, their time and energy into this. I mean, everybody's going to have a job so they can't work. It can't be crazy like me where they risk, you know, their whole livelihood on a film. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it was it was a lot of pressure, man. But it was I'm very happy how it came out.
0: So can you remember the time that you actually were ready? You had edited. You had you know, it was that final. This is it. I know it's done. And then you got to sit down with the band and show them what was their first reaction. Were you? You must have been shitting yourself.
1: Well, it was two. There's two different parts to this. Um, there's the there's the way that I showed Roger the film. And there's the way that I showed Vinny the film. Okay. And 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 I'll, I'll tell you how they both went down. Um, Roger is a control freak. Roger is like, he's, he's just obsessive. We're, we're very similar in a lot of ways. Um, and for him to not have any say in this or see anything for two years, it, it just, it was killing him like bad. Um, to the point where he was getting really upset with me. And, um, I kept on telling him, I'm like, you know, I, I told you, you can't see it to the end. You can't see it to the end. And I remember, working for about four or five days on the last 45 seconds of the film to like minute of the film Um, and I just couldn't get it right and I ended up you know finally getting it right and you know showing my guys they came in they said yeah man I think you got it I'm like all right so I said should we you know call Roger and set up a time and everybody's like yeah let's do it so I called Roger and I said hey man the film's film's done Um, I'd love to show it to you, you know, Do, you, uh, but I, am not sending you a link, you know, let's set up a time when you're going to, you can come out here and see it. And he goes, you know what, let me call you right back. I was like, okay. So he gets off the phone and calls me back 20 minutes later. And he said, all right, man, I'll be there in the morning. I was like, what? (laughs) He said, and this is at like, this is like six o'clock at night. I was like, what are you talking about? Well, it was like, it was probably like two in the afternoon. Actually. I think about it. Um, he said, I'll be, I'll be there tomorrow morning. And he's like, I just got an overnight flight. And I was like, Roger. I was like, are you kidding me? He's like, I'll see you in the morning. Maybe at the airport at 9 a.m. See ya. Click. <laughs> and uh, my business partner went and picked him up at 9 a.m. And I'm sitting here waiting. You know, I had like coffee and, you know, bagels and ready for him to come. And he comes in My 2 He got here at 9.30. He walks in. He had not slept at all. He walks in. I was like, hey, maybe we we'll get some breakfast. And he's like, no, let's watch the movie. I'm like, Roger, you just got off the plane you just took a you know, seven-hour flight from, <laughs> yeah. from the West Coast. Do you want a drink? You know, let's just chill out. And he goes, no, man, no, let's do this now. And he was like, he wasn't kidding around. He was very serious. Yeah. And I said, all right, man, well, hey, give me a hug. Let's at least get that out of the way because it might be the last one I ever have. And um, he ended up uh, you know going in and sitting down. And it was just me and him and um, my co-producer and writer, uh, Tony Fernandez, and we watched it together. And... You know, we got to the end of the film and nobody said anything. Roger didn't say anything. He just sat there and he was looking at a blank screen. He was just staring at the screen. And I was so uncomfortable. And he didn't look away. He just kept looking at the screen. He said, don't change anything. And then I, when I, you know, kicked my little light on, I realized his face was wet and he was crying.
0: Wow. And,
1: and he was really upset. You know, he's like, "I gotta, I got to take a second, man. He goes, don't change anything. And I was just like, "Whoa!" And you know, he needed a couple minutes because you can imagine watching your life compressed down to ninety-six minutes. That's that's it's pretty I insane. Think be a lot for anybody, yeah. You know?
2: yeah.
1: Um, especially being you know who they are and their band and their their history, and um, was a lot. So he was just to the moon, you know. He was just it, I could just see in his face that he was. He really in shock, and he he went to his hotel, you know. Later on, got some sleep, and he called me later on. He's like, "I, I got to see it again, man. I got I got I got to see this thing." And then, you know, I let him watch it. You know, I believe I let him watch it again. Then, and he just he just really was just you know, he was really sport of it. Now, Vinny, on the other hand, different situation. Um, Vinny, I set up a party. I invited um, a bunch of mutual friends. Um, I got pizza. I got wine. I got some really nice cigars for him and we made an event and Vinny and mike gallo drove up from new york we planned it all out Vinny came in it was so excited to sit down and watch it and Vinny just sat and laughed and laughed and cried and laughed and everything and and then at the end of the end of the film um he kind of did the same thing but um the funny thing is at the end of the film, like I, Vinny kept on having to get up and go to the bathroom, right? And I'm like, "What is the deal with this?" And I realized he was getting up to go see the film because he kept on like wiping his eyes off. He was he was upset. He was crying. Yeah. And it was a he just kept on saying, "Wow, wow, oh man!" Like throughout the whole film, and it was it was really interesting and cool to watch. But they both loved it. Very different, you know ways of you know watching it in situations that but it was it was equally interesting um and rewarding to say the least to have those two guys really pumped about the film i remember that night um i got really great sleep yeah for the (laughs) Um, first time ever yeah i remember i think i i think my wife and i went out to dinner and and kind of had a date because it was just like you know it's just it was a huge relief you know off my shoulders that now, okay. Now I got their support. Now they're now they're cool with it. Let's 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 start going. And that's when that's when honestly that's when things got you know pretty difficult in a lot of areas um, because a lot of people don't realize putting out a film um, and finishing a film is sometimes harder than actually making it.
0: So then, once it was done, you'd had the seal of approval from the most two important people of this film. You know, if if they had turned around to you and said, "I don't like it," then like you said, it, it would have been all for nothing. But they had the thumbs up. They loved it. The way it gathered momentum is mad. You know, it 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 built up huge. It was getting shown at all these film festivals. The reviews were fantastic. You we even had people like the Rolling Stone and Up Rock's giving it thumbs up, saying it's outstanding. You couldn't have ever even imagined it was going to get that big.
1: No, I I didn't. I, I and honestly, um, the scene. I thought the scene was there was going to be people that loved it, but then I, you know, was, I also came to terms with there's probably people that are going to rip it apart. Um, you have to be okay with that because once if you're, if you're, you know, when you make a film or you make a record and you, you put it out there, once you release it, it's no longer your film. It's the audience's film. They can do what they want with it. Um, you know, they can say what they think about it, everything like that. Um, it just becomes the audiences. Um, and I was, it was really it was like you know it's like giving and actually I don't want to say giving birth because it's very different but do you know what I mean it's like it's like you're releasing your you know your child out in the world
0: um, I, I always say like with this podcast it's like putting my diary out there for the world to read and I'm just yeah. like I hit publish and then it's like there you go read my life and I can't edit it I can't rip a page out it's done <laughs> you know? yeah
1: yeah that's that's it's a really scary feeling um, because you know I, I I think it's weird because I think I would have I put everything I have into into what I make. Um like I said earlier, I'm obsessive. Um sometimes you know, for the worse. Um you know, I I, I, I just every piece I do I really care about it. Um and I, I put myself in it and I'm in the moment. Um and you know, my wife, you know, she's she's always said things like you know, she's like, you know, you got to just, you know, calm down. You got to slow down because I'll get into into a project, and it's all I can think about. It's all I can 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 talk about. Um, I can only imagine what it's like for people around me, you know, um, because I'm just so obsessive. But I, again, like I said earlier, I think that that dedication um, and drive. I think people, you know witnessed that i think people understood how hard i was working on it and you know this isn't just something i'm doing to like gain popularity i'm doing it because i want to say something about our culture that i i come from it's i feel that a lot of time it it hasn't been you know given the credit you know the the, that's due to it there's just so many creative beautiful you know wonderful people in in this this music scene um that and i'm so proud to be part of it. it's like i wanted to make something that the scene, uh, would really appreciate and cherish. And, um, it seems to be working. Um, there's a lot of people that really like this film. Uh, and there's a, it, it's rare rewarding when I, when I do a screening and people, you know, don't say, Hey man, great, great film. Cool. Cool job. Awesome. They say, thank you. And it's, it's really powerful. When someone says thank you to something that you've made, rather than, that was really cool, good job, it makes you take a second. It makes you take that moment that you normally don't and say, wow, I I think I affected that person.
0: The the thing is, as well, with the feedback and everything, like you said, you're very humble. It, It must mean a lot, but it's not just small magazines. You have people like Moby giving you credit. You have Murphy's Law, Metal Hammer magazine. Over here, that is huge. Bands yeah. like Killswitch, Engage, you've worked with, the Dropkick Murphys, the Ramones. It's insane, you know, it's, to even get it onto Showtime, you must have thought at one point, when is the bubble going to burst? And I say that with full respect, because nobody, surely you never thought it was going to be on Showtime. No,
1: definitely not. Um, definitely not. Um, that is a, that's a dream. Yeah. Showtime is a premium channel. Um, for any filmmaker, uh, that's like top of the line. Um, you know in in this day and age you know to get things streamed is is difficult to get it broadcast is a, is a whole other thing um you know and I, honestly it's like i have to give a lot of credit to um my my sales agent uh, david peppernini from cargo releasing who did an extraordinary job um getting this film i mean he worked really hard to get this film um out there and showtime has just been absolutely amazing um they you know they they really, they honestly, they. I know that they were, uh, you know, uh, maybe a little bit, you know, apprehensive at first because you know it's hardcore punk rock and they're a major business. Yeah, and it comes down to numbers. Like, um, but you know, they really loved the film. They they supported it. Um, they're an interesting group. They support. You know, they. I I feel what I've seen is. You know, they really support the filmmaker. Um, it's not like they're just pumping out tons of content. Um, they consider themselves, and I don't disagree, um, you know, that they are not only a premium channel, but they're also a. The, I think they call it like the the number one spot or something like that for for a music documentary, well made, um, interesting music documentaries. That's like one of their their big things. Um, they have some great great films on there, but to get it on Showtime. And the other place that it's about to be, you know, uh, released on, which I wish I could say where, um, is, is really, it's surreal. It's, it's absolutely surreal. Um, I can't, I don't know. I, I, it's funny. It's like I was, I was talking to, uh, to, to, a friend earlier today and, um, and he was, he was kind of saying, you know, man, you must be really happy because, uh, yesterday I woke up to a huge article in Variety magazine on the film. Um, and I didn't know it was coming. I had no idea. And I literally woke up to like a million texts from friends going like, hey, man, you know, the film's in Variety. And I was thinking it was like a little review or blurb. Um, no, it's a pretty big article um, that they did on the film with the new series Punk um, with Iggy Pop.
0: How cool is that?
1: It's insane. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it really is it's it's really just it's awesome um because it's it's not like you know you know we did a film on you know lady gaga you know where it's uh, uh, you know how many like instant sales it's like this is agnostic front they're a hardcore punk rock band i mean numbers are numbers um but but at the same time a story is a story and good stories no matter what it's you know what genre it's in, people like stories. And um, you know, Showtime liked the story and they thought it was a well told story and they wanted to put the the Showtime brand on it, which hey, I'm I'm more than willing to to go along with.
0: Um, Now now this is done and obviously it's put to bed in the way of you finished, it's out there. It's gonna go out there even more which you can't reveal, but obviously in the next few weeks we'll find out more. But now it's done and put to bed, what what do you do? Because you're not someone that gives up. You're not someone that goes, oh, I'm done now. I feel like I've left my mark on the world. You sound like someone that will keep on going and going and going until the end. So yeah, with all this success and it blowing up way bigger than your expectations with someone that you're so intimate about and someone that meant so much, I, I don't know where you go from here. How, how do you add, like, the cherry to the, the top? You know, how do you go? It's, I don't know where... Well,
1: how- I honestly just try, trying to take every day, day by day. Yeah. That's the first thing. My, my wife is absolutely my best friend and I, her, her uh, perspective on the world uh, grounds me a lot um, and, you know, slows me down Um, and I'm just trying to be in the moment right now and just. And, and just try to like you know talk about my film to anybody who wants to talk about it. That being said, there's still a lot of work to do on this film before I can you know really start working on a new one, which I've already started the process of getting some projects off the ground. I have about five projects I want to do, and I've put together pitch decks for them as we speak. Um, but the film is not fully out yet, so the next thing that we're going to do is the film will be released a transactionally which is we'll be releasing on um voodoo itunes google play and amazon as well as hopefully finn i hope fandango um uh, a couple other places i'm not sure um but that's the next phase um the kickstarter uh backers will get all their dvds um which is which i'm very happy and excited to to do um and then uh and then we just you know we doing press at the moment and talking about the film but as far as it goes with slowing down my wife and i the other day were having a conversation about about retirement and um i i just can't see that happening i just i can't picture myself doing anything else other than creating films i i i can't like you know i i you know, I, so a lot of filmmakers, you know, all they do is is, is they'll direct, or all they do is shoot or, or edit. I, I kind of do a little bit of everything, um, so I stay really busy. Um, I, I own a small post-production studio. Um, I, my background is editing, so I do a ton of, um, you know, commercial editing, but I also... Do um, a fair amount of uh, commercial directing, so when I'm not doing a film, uh, you, know, film or a, or a, um, you know, a feature film or or a you know short or anything like that, I'm do also working and, and doing uh, you know commercial work. Um, I'd really love to just do you know episodic documentary or, or narrative filmmaking or narrative documentary filmmaking, but um you know that's that's not in the cards right the second, but um maybe it will be like a natural progression. Where I just move on to doing that, and that's all I do. I hope so, but at the time being, um I'm just enjoying um this film and and also you know doing commercial work as well. I can't complain. there's people that would would you know pay any pay a lot of money to be in my situation, so I try to just take it as as uh day by day
0: my My final question for you, and this is what I ask everybody, but i think I think it will be very relevant to what you've just said. So, a lot of people that listen to this podcast are up-and-coming filmmakers, or they're in a band, or they, they want to make something or create something. Now, those people out there that are starting to think about making a film or a documentary, what advice do you give? Because I think today's world is tougher than ever to get your stuff out there. It's easy to publish, anyone can go on YouTube and put a video, but to get it noticed by the right people is tougher because there's so much out there. What advice? Yeah. what advice do you give to those filmmakers, because you've lived it, breathed it, dreamed it, and you probably didn't even get to see your family at times, you know, it's eating no. your life away. What what advice do you give to those people that want to release their version of a film like yours or to get their name out there and you know, publish something that means so much to them? Wow. Um
1: Well, I'm gonna speak on, on personal experiences. I I would say that the two things that, uh, there's a couple of things that I would, I would, you know, say, but the first two that I would say would be, you know, do a film or do a project on something, you know, you're passionate about, um, and, 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 and do what's comfortable to you, you know? Um, and the other thing I would say would be, um, if you're going to do a feature you know, documentary or narrative or whatever it may be, but it's just it's bigger than like a two or three minute video. Um, make sure you have a good support system, um, and I don't mean a good DP or a good producer. I mean someone to talk to, because um, that's something that really doesn't get talked about a lot in filmmaking, and I don't understand why. Um, you know, it's 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 a it's really hard. To 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 make a, a you know a feature you know documentary or narrative film filmmaking is not easy, um, but you know everything that you go through, especially when you're an independent filmmaker, um, you need to have some sort of support where you that let it be that friend or a mentor or somebody that you can just ask questions. I have them. I have a couple people that I go to on many different occasions for advice or, you know, I have a, I have two particular friends that they know that I am literally, I I, I call them to just talk Um, because it's, it's when you make a film about something, you know, um, and you're comfortable with becomes very personal. So therefore you're going to put everything into it. And when you put everything into it, you're going to go through a range of emotions. And with my experience, It was really, really difficult. It's, it's almost like I've done three feature-length documentaries now, um, two of which, you know, one of which of those two had some pretty good success, Uh, the other one not so much. But and then Godfather's. But those three projects, the one thing that I they all have in common is a how much I put into them, and and b how much it wears on you. Um, Because, and I don't want to be negative here, because you know, filmmaking is—it's—it's it's a job for some people. It's a—it's a way of life for others. Um, filmmaking is—is is really not a job for me. I'm one of those people. It's a—it's a way of life. Um, so I put everything into it, and um, you know, having someone to talk with when when you're when you're just working on a project does a see a load of good, man. Um, because it's hard to keep that stuff bottled up. And maybe that self doubt, or be that um, you know apprehension to put yourself out there, or you know just as simple as like just being able to to uh, you know navigate through all that noise. You talk about you know getting your stuff out there because it's it's very difficult to get you know to, to rise above all the the noise and competition there is out there, and what makes your project special. Um, I don't do a lot of you know, social media stuff. I, I put up stuff that I, I like or I enjoy. Um, and it's mainly, you know, around in, around my work. Um, I'm not really an internet personality or influencer or any of those buzzwords that people like to use. I don't, I don't have, you know, any kind of special, you know, audience. I just, I just have people that I think maybe like what I, I do, um, or like my work. And, um, you know, I value that, but, at the same time um, you got to put it in perspective and you know, we're not like me in my instance, it's like, you know, I'm making a film about, you know, a band and mortality and life. Um, we're not like, you know, we're not doing a film on climate change and, and changing the world. Um, you know, it, it, which is, you know, we it was his entertainment. Yeah. Um, but that being said, this film my film and this one's a little bit more than just entertainment here um it's 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 really personal stuff and it's it's a very um you know intimate film about two guys that have uh lived their life doing what they want and they refuse to stop uh, no matter what the cost and um you know i i try to uh, i'm trying to live my life in that direction as well just doing what i love to do and and uh, not taking no for an answer and and um trying to just be happy you know it's a it's a it's a crazy world we live in these days and it's it's hard to uh, navigate through it in many different areas but um you know just uh, the advice i would give a film any filmmaker would be just just put it in perspective and and slow down and, and and you know take a beat. You know,
0: I think that's Before an awesome. Make any rash decisions. I think that's an awesome message. And like you said, it's uh, it is a shitty world right now. <laughs> so if you can enjoy it at the same time and not let it take over too much, and remember what your wife looks like and people around you, and have that support, then you're doing it all for the right reasons.
1: Yeah, it's all about those moments, man. It's yeah. all about you know those 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 times where you can just slow down. You know, meditation um, is 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 a fairly, you know, big part of my life these days. Um, I wish uh, the gym was a little bit more, um, but for me, I've it's taken me, you know, twenty five years to figure out um, how to slow down. And you know, my mother always said it is when I was a kid. I never it was like it was just like white noise to me, man. You know, it was like. I I didn't really like you know I didn't really listen I just heard it now I listen and I I try to take those I it was, it's funny because like when I was like, when I was younger I just I would hear things and and now I really really try to listen and slow down and put things in perspective I don't know if that's you know something that is has been an, you know just a natural progression or it's just a light went off one day I, I i don't know um but it's where i'm at right now and that's where i hope i continue to be at um because it's it's kind of been working out for me um emotionally um at this stage of my life anyways
0: it's weird cuz as you're saying it i'm kind of thinking shit is this the moment the light bulb comes on for me because i I release six podcasts a month at the moment. I burn out. I know I'm not getting the balance right. I try and do a job. I try and live a life. I have a <laughs> a family and everything. And it's getting the balance. And sometimes when you just said it out loud then, I was sitting here thinking, fuck, like, you're right. Like, the older I get, all those messages from my mum saying, make sure you get some rest. Make sure you eat properly. Yeah. Make sure you take some care of yourself. You know, don't burn out. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, I'll be all right. And it's only now I'm starting to think, if I don't stop and take a bit of a back step and look after myself, I won't be able to do this forever you know
1: it's it dude it's a hundred percent true and i I can't believe i didn't i didn't you know listen to this uh, you know regretfully so man like i i've i've i'm I'm now you know i'm forty years old i'm like i'm my body is uh you know it's been through the ringer man. You know, from being on stage to heavy partying and drinking my whole life. But now it's like, you know, I'm healthy as shit. Um, I don't get enough sleep. But, you know, the mind and the body really is connected. Yeah. And, you know, your emotions are the things that end up, um, I think, being the, the innocent bystanders and, and the, uh, the innocent victim, I should say, and, the old, you know, your own war with yourself. Um, because, you know, your mind can get cloudy Um, you know, I'm sitting here right now. I'm, I'm like, I'm. I mean, I didn't get enough sleep last night. I feel completely like, you know, foggy. Um, and that means that, you know, the stuff that I have to do this afternoon, um, is, you know, gonna be not to my fullest potential. It's not gonna be done to my fullest potential. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I think that that's the thing. It's all about balance. Um, I wish that a light had gone off with me when I was younger because I think I'd be in a much different situation now Yeah. given I wouldn't trade it because I don't know if I would have made this film. Who knows what I would be doing? Who knows? I could be an airliner pilot. I don't know. Like, um, you know, I, the, these, it's just about balance. And it's, I, I actually can remember my mother telling me to just slow down. I can remember my grandmother telling me to slow down. Even as a kid, I would just be like, go, 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 go constantly. And, um, you know, when you can, you know, reflect on yourself and your life, I think that's a big step in the right direction to becoming the best person that you can be. Yeah, you know, reflection is a big thing. It's hard to do.
0: It's it's um, fucking really hard. Yeah, it's it's it can it's hurt a lot. Tough it, as well.
1: It hurt me a lot. I know when I started reflecting, it, it it started. It basically when I started to really really look at myself and the reasons I was the way I was. I am should per se. Um, uh, you know, it, 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 that's when, that's when things really got hard for me, but I, 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 went through it. Um, you know, have that, you know, you gotta have that balance. Um, you gotta have an, uh, you know, another outlet. You gotta have something, um, that just keeps you sane. Um, I'm still looking, um, every day for, for that balance. Um, I try as much as I can, but, um, you know, I'm not fully there yet, but I'm I'm uh, I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm working on being the, the best person I can be. Um for not only myself but, you know, my kids yeah. and uh the people around me that uh you know rely on me for you know, everything that they do.
0: It's important and I think the fact you've took that step back and been able to analyze and turn that light on and have it I don't think everyone gets that chance to do it. And by the time that they realize they've done it, they're probably dead. So it's, uh, yeah, it's true. That's it's it's heavy, that's but the, it's the, true.
1: Don't, don't wait. No, like, don't, don't wait to, to start figuring this stuff out. Um, you know, it's this, I remember at the time I was starting to really, really start wrestling with a lot of the decisions in my life. Um, and were they were really having a, a negative effect on my day to day, and I remember uh, this very well known musician that I don't want to say his name because I don't I don't I don't want to put him out there like this, but um, he he told me one day we had a pretty deep conversation. He said, "Look, man, your twenties, you know, your teens are. You started with your teens. He said, your teens are there to, you know, just just.'" Do whatever you know. Whatever comes at you, just just you know, observe, right? Or check it out. Or, or your twenties are, are there for you to just you know start really figuring, you know, start figuring things out. Your thirties, you gotta really start figuring things out. And if you haven't figured your shit out by your forties, you gotta you got a situation on your hands, and you gotta it's like it's go time. You got you gotta figure it out because who wants to be a fifty or sixty year old person that hasn't figured their shit out yet? Yeah. You know? Who wants to be that guy? Nobody wants to be that guy. Um when I s when I started to when the light went off for me, it's it's amazing to see, you know, the things that, that that you know come into your life, you know? Um if you just let it. I'm not and I'm not talking like spirituality either. No, I'm no, talking religion. <laughs> no. I'm just talking just just life. It's perspective and uh being able to see what's put in front of you and, you know, accept it, and being able to move on.
0: So maybe yes. that's the best advice ever, not just for filmmakers, but for everyone listening.
1: Time doesn't stop. Time stops for no man, period. It sounds cliche and a little goofy, but it's,
0: it's true. very true. Yeah.
1: It's very true. Time is, I mean, my chest, I. that's my my arch nemesis is time. Um, if, if, there, if, if, if time was a physical person, I would attack him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because like I have my entire chest is my upper torso my whole torso is a is a big tattoo piece of you know two ravens fighting over an hourglass yeah. and the hourglass is full of blood and it's it represents you know my war with time and I never feel like I have uh, enough um, enough time to do what I want to do um, it's just always every day every week Every month, every year. There's just so many things I want to do. Um, But it's... Again, you got to slow down. And I have to fight that urge to just go, go, go. And I have to just slow down or it's going to... You're going to... Everything there's a cost for everything. You're going to end up paying one way or the other. Yeah. Financially, emotionally, or physically. One of those
0: ways. And it's a really vicious circle because... I, I overdid it and I don't mind omitting it. I, I went overboard and I was doing too much and saying yes to every interview and every podcast and every edit. And about a month ago, I got really ill and my voice went completely and I had all these interviews lined up and I had to cancel the lot. And it's such a vicious circle because I let it get the better of me. It fucked me in the long run because I had to cancel all these interviews. I was doing them anyway and they were sounding shit because I wasn't with it. I was ill. My voice wasn't me. And then you've took... 10 steps back when you're trying to take 10 steps forward and then you're playing catch-up and you're like, shit, if I had actually listened and paced myself and done it right, I'd be in a much better position. But then I felt like I'd fucked myself over by being so far behind and ill. <laughs> my oh, my yeah, health, man. you know, it's terrible.
1: Dude, when when I, I mean, we did the Rain Dance Film Festival in London and we did it in, I think it was October, i think it was october i can't remember i think yeah, it was october um when i got back up until that point that was that month and a half was probably one of the most stressful times of my entire life because i was i was you know signing the deal with showtime i was trying to deliver the film to them for, and that I was also doing other thing and there was just tons of things that were going on that, that I, I had to address and, and deal with. And I just, I, I, I ran, my, I ran my body into the ground and I ended up getting really, really sick. Um, I got, I had, I had uh, bronchitis, uh, I had what then I had walking pneumonia um, and then I had bronchitis again, and this is all between November and January for three and a half straight months. I was so sick that there's no way I could have done a podcast. I, I couldn't even talk to people really on the phone. Luckily, it was over the holidays, where you know it's the slow time in, in this business. But I was—I mean, it was really scary. I, thought, I, I honestly, I seriously thought I was going to end up, you know, in the hospital for an extended stay. Um, I was so sick and, and it wasn't because I, I caught something. I mean, I always say I caught, you know, caught something, but I ended up just running my body to the you of the ground and I did, I was not slowing down. I was not, I, I slipped up, you know, I was really doing well for a while. And then I just let, it, you know, let my, my, uh, my obsessive take over and I let it consume me. I let the, uh, the stress consume me. I kind of gave into it. And I just, I just started going, you know, and um, I mess, I'm still, honestly, I am still recovering. From yeah, those three months, I was so sick, you know, and I'm there's, there's just, I'm not, I'm, I'm good, but I'm not a hundred percent, you know. Um,
0: you just know you're not you, are you? you? Wake up and you know that you're not a hundred percent. The interviews you do, the voice, the, yeah. the, the way you breathe, it's just not you.
1: Yeah, I remember, I remember um, my son in December around Christmas asked me if I was okay and he's 11 year old and he's never asked me that before. Um, it was, so obviously it was, you know, I was, and that's the other thing too. If, if, if if you are a filmmaker or you're a musician, um, you know, that or an artist or whatever you want to call yourself, you, um, you, 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 when you're really passionate about a project or what you do, um, you know, it, other, you, you can kind of, your, your stress or your anxiety or your, um, bigness can, can really spill off into other people uh, the, around you. And I mean, it happened to me, it, it, you know, my, for a long time, that, that stuff, you know, really spilled over, uh, with, with me to, to, to my, uh, uh, people i love in a lot of ways um but again you just luckily i was i could i slowed down and i was able to be able to just really really look at everything and say okay i'm this isn't right this is not how i want to live my life this is not how i want people around me to be forced to live their life because of how i how i am or how i'm acting um you know uh, emotion is a uh, is a is a is a crazy thing, you know. Um, but um, again, I'm I feel like I'm on a good path now, and I, I'm sure you can relate too. You know, with, it's with, scary. You know, it's what's I,
0: that? all the way through. I'm sitting there going, "Yep, yep, I agree. Yep, I've been there. Yep," <laughs> and it's frightening. So it's uh, I'm glad it's not just me.
1: Yeah, no, it is. It, it, and because I mean, you, when you're passionate about something and you really are passionate, about it, it's going to affect you. Yeah, you know, period. It's just it is. The way you choose to deal with that and the way that you behave, that's on you,
0: 100%. I like where this has gone. I didn't think it was going to go this way, but I'm uh, I'm really happy and I am I kind of feel like it's been a counselling session for me towards the end and I feel like, <laughs> I don't know, the light, this is a bit, bit of a, some of the things you said today have made that light not just turn on and switch on, but... Glow really bloody bright, and it's uh, it's a bit of a wake up call, and hopefully someone listening as well, it's had that impact as well. So I, I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no problem. Man. I, I really appreciate you having me on and talk about this stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, talk too much about this type of stuff. But you know, whenever I, I do try to, you know, you know, help or advise any people that are younger than me, or you know, or or the same age, getting into the business, or whatever. Um, It's because there was no one there like that for me when I started. Um, And when there is nobody there to look up to and and ask those questions to, it can be a very scary place. Um, So I try to, you know, whenever I can, you know, I'm not a counselor and I'm obviously, you know, um, I don't have tons and tons of time to just help everybody in the world out um and also too i don't have an, a huge ego where so that you know i have the right way of doing things and i figured it all out i'm still figuring stuff out um but i can say this is what i did and this is how i did it to to deal with the problems i have and if somebody can relate with that and get something out of it um that makes me feel really
0: really good well, you've no. done you've done that today massively, and like you said, no one's perfect, and you have to fuck up and make those mistakes sometimes to reflect or to to realise what you've done to then learn from it. And uh, just talking to you today, even if it's just me, you've helped. It's it's been it's been massive, and I I can't thank you enough.
1: No problem. Thank you so much for having me on. And uh, you know, I, I can if anybody would like to see the film. Um, the best thing to do is for people to go to uh, the com and, um, you know, just put in their email or give us a follow on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. But there's a lot of really cool and exciting stuff uh, happening in the very near future. Um, I really wish I could just say, but...
0: As soon as we get the too announcement... Many, too many up. people involved and yeah. I
1: don't want to like mess anything up, so... Um, as, soon as, it's announced. Here.
0: <laughs> as soon as it's announced, we'll get it on our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We'll get the word out there. We'll be retweeting. You, and uh, yeah, I'm sure it's very close. Yeah, I, it's, it, <laughs> it is. It's a
1: matter of, it's, hopefully, it's a matter of week. I was just on the phone earlier today and yesterday with everything. And awesome. Deal is done. It's just a matter of uh, everything passing quality control. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, it's good.
0: So there's my interview with me and Ian. And as I said at the start of today's episode, for me personally, as it stands right now, that's my favourite interview that I've done. It doesn't stay on topic, it goes off and it goes here and it goes there. And as I said on it, it kind of felt like a counselling session, but that's what I like about these interviews. There's no structure, I haven't got strict questions that I've got to ask, and I like to let it flow where it goes. And on this one, it got quite deep and you probably heard a lot more than you normally expect from me. But it felt so good and Ian's now a good friend. I can't wait to see what he does next. He's got such a great career ahead of him. And honestly, I urge you all to go out and check out The Godfathers of Hardcore. It's such a great documentary. And for the UK listeners right now, it is on Sky Arts. You can go onto your Skybox and you can backtrack and find this. And you can watch it right now and you will not regret it. I'm a huge documentary watcher, you know what it's like, I spent most of my life trying to get a King of Kong podcast special because of that documentary. And since then I've just fallen in love with documentaries, I watch as many as I can and as it stands right now this is easily my favourite documentary of the year and it will be in my top ten of all time, it's that good. Go and watch it, tweet me, tweet Ian... Tweet the band, tweet everyone, because this needs to get seen by many people and it's so, so well done. It's such a personal project for him and the results are just mind-blowing, so please do that. Also, if you've enjoyed today's episode, go on to markandme.com. On there there's my Facebook, my Twitter, my Instagram, but also my Patreon, and I can't do this podcast without the support. Recently, because of the episode with Ian and the amount of people that downloaded, I had to upgrade via Podomatic to a brand new server and get more space and more bandwidth. I'm very honest on this podcast, that cost me a lot of money. I had to use all the Patreon money for about two months to try and get this extra space and sign up for another year, and without that I wouldn't be able to do it, so... You know me, I work full time, this isn't my main job, so every little contribution on there, as small as it can be, which is 30p or 40p a month, all the way up to whatever you want, sort of £20, it all helps, it all goes back into the podcast and allows me to do more and more of these for you. As it stands guys, I'm absolutely manically busy, but I'm not going to stop doing these episodes and we've got a brand new one out coming in a week. In the meantime, check out Skip to the End, which is my other movie podcast, Also, we've got our big live event this weekend, which I can't wait, Skip Fest, which is sold out, which is going to be incredible, and I'll be back in a week's time with a brand new episode of Mark and Me, and you know the score by now, I don't reveal my guests on the show, I wait, I do a few clues on social media, and if you haven't signed up to any of my social medias, or followed me, or give me a like, just go on to markandme.com, because all the links are on there. And in the meantime, I urge you all to go and watch this documentary, The Godfathers of Hardcore. You've got no excuse. Get out there, watch it, and let me know what you thought. And in the meantime, I'll speak to you all again in about a week's time. Stay safe and stay special.